About 10 years ago, my eyes were opened to a global crisis that was killing thousands of innocent people each and every day. In fact, more people were dying from this crisis than all other forms of violence combined, including war. And the more I learned, the more I realized this is one of the greatest tragedies of our time. And I knew I had to do something, but I didn't know exactly where to start. Water property had been eliminated in our country since the beginning, so it was a major shock uh, to me that still today, one in 10 people in the world can't get a drink of clean water. So I started reflecting and I, I started remembering how often Jesus used water as a primary illustration in teaching us about how to be a part of building God's kingdom here on earth. One of my favorite verses is in Matthew uh, chapter 10, verse 42, and he says this, and anyone who has given so much as a cup of cold water to one of these little ones, because he is my disciple, I tell you, that person will be well rewarded. And also in one of my all-time favorites uh, in the book of John, chapter 4, verse 13, where Jesus uh, has a conversation with a woman at a water well. He says this to her, drink this water and your thirst is quenched only for a moment. You must return to this well again and again. I offer water that will become a wellspring within you that gives life throughout eternity. You will never be thirsty again. I knew I and the church had a responsibility to care about the things Jesus cares about and that clean water literally changes everything. So I started doing more research on partner organizations and um, educating myself on the severity and the size of the water crisis and also the emerging technologies that make it possible to access clean water in the world's poorest countries. And I came across a new charity called Charity Water. Now, they were so innovative, creative, uh, transparent. Their branding was amazing. Um, they, they were incredible awareness raisers and uh, new fundraising strategies were being deployed. Uh, I, I had to connect and see what we, as both my family and our church, could do to help. So we started a benefit concert called Drinks for Drinks, and we raised hundreds of thousands of dollars to provide access to clean water for tens of thousands of people in the country of Central African Republic. And I was hooked on the cause. The second poorest country in the world was receiving direct help, person to person. And that's when I met Scott Harrison, the founder of Charity Water, and uh, his book, Thirst, if you haven't read it, on his life story of redemption, is a must-read, so highly recommend it. Uh, and I also got to meet Jim Hawking, the founder of our partner organization, Water for Good, who focuses on the world's second poorest country, Central African Republic. Now, Wendy and I have been able to travel there twice in the past 10 years to see firsthand the incredible work we've continued to support as a church. And it's quite a shock to travel to CAR, the second poorest country in the world. And having seen poverty at that level, it really does change you. But I count it a privilege to have seen the need and the solutions at work firsthand. There's so many things you don't think about when considering the developing world. Things like landing a Boeing 777 on a small concrete airstrip with very little infrastructure. You don't think about bouncing around on the red dirt roads for eight hours just outside the capital city of Bangui 
or experiencing life in a landlocked country where shipping is all done via roads with huge semi-trucks. And any of these roads can be washed out at any moment during the rainy season. Because of these facts, it takes a lot of sustained commitment and resources to change this part of the world. And it's still our vision to support Water for Good's mission to see all of the nearly 5 million people in that country get local access to clean water by the year 2030. That's eradicating water poverty in our lifetime in the world's second poorest country. So let's check in with Water for Good CEO, John Allen. He's got some really exciting updates and new opportunities for us this year. Well, hey everybody, I'm here with John Allen, the CEO of our partners, Water for Good, uh, working so hard and for generations to see water poverty eradicated in the Central African Republic. And, and John, I'm just thankful that you're here. I hope you guys are doing well. We're watching from afar, continue to support and pray for you guys uh, all the time. And with what's happening this year, um, what has your work like been in light of this pandemic that we're all going through right now? Well, I mean, first of all, thank you so much for, ha for having me, for allowing me to share with you guys. Thank you for the continued support, the prayers. Uh, it's really helped see us through and keep this work going throughout the course of this year. As all of you have know, or some of you are becoming aware of, uh, the work we're doing is so, so important, not just in terms of impacting people's health, uh, but in so many other areas of life. So the fact that we're able to keep this work, you know, sustained through this critical period of time is just even more important. In terms of our actual workflow here at Water for Good, uh, thankfully our US-based support teams, we were, you know, we were already decentralized as a team. So from a workflow dynamic, we haven't seen much change. Um, actually, the biggest change has been we've switched from doing like weekly audio calls with each other to weekly video calls because we saw all of our friends who had to get forced into remote work <laughs> doing video calls. Yep, yep. It's like, we got jealous, like, wait, why do they get to do video calls? So we started <laughs> doing video calls. That's the main difference that's happened on this side. Uh, uh, in, uh, in terms of our Central African team, our Central African staff, you know, thankfully they the, the country's been fairly spared uh, sub-Saharan Africa in general has been fairly spared from the pandemic all in all. There has been some incidences. Thankfully, nobody from our team uh, has been impacted. There had been some travel restrictions that we had to navigate through logistical issues like importing materials from France and from other places around the world because we have to import so many materials into the country for the work that we do. Mm -hmm. uh, we did see some delays and bottlenecks with that. But all in all, we've, we've been able to stay, uh, stay very active and on target with our goals for the year, uh, despite all those challenges. And, and, you know, a big reason is because of uh, supporters like you guys who really stepped in despite the, the hardships and despite the uncertainty and everything going on in the world to still continue to support this work. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. It's, this is our favorite time of year. We get to talk about it. You know, for the last decade, I've been trying to just raise awareness and, um, you know, people every year don't even realize they're first hearing about it, you know, that there's a global water crisis. And so every year that we can bring more people in to join the fight, it's awesome. So what have been some bright spots for you and your team this year, even in the light of a kind of dark year for most everybody in this country? Uh, uh, what have been some bright spots for the team? Right. So, I mean, a, a big bright spot for our team has been uh, increasing collaboration at the country level, right? Mm. So, 
the, the pandemic has raised an international awareness on the import, importance of clean water and sanitation and hygiene mm -hmm. and realizing how, how globally connected the world is. You know, the, the whole world can get impacted by something happening in a different country and it can spread. Um, but then at the local community level or at the local Central African Republic level, the humanitarian actors working together, uh, we've seen a lot of harmonization of, of goals and accomplishments. Uh, very, very good coordination and communication. Our teams have, that's something that's been improving with our teams over the year, but it really like hit a stride this year. Uh, so for example, with our radio station, you know, coordinating with other health actors to broadcast information about COVID-19 through our shortwave radio station, which impacts yeah. most of the rural communities as opposed to the FM stations that impact more of the capital city. Uh, so coordinating messages that they're recording and then using it to broadcast out to the wider audience to you know, dispel rumors about what COVID-19 is, just give best practices on social distancing and pre prevention of the spread of the disease. Yeah, and your uh, radio station, that not it the biggest in the country? Or, I mean... Yeah, in, ter in terms of shortwave, we have a much lar larger reach. It reaches almost the whole country in terms of... Yeah, I remember of when I was there, I just see everybody's listening to the radio all day long. Yeah, yeah, and so that's that's been great in terms of the, the coordination on that aspect. Uh, and then we've been working tightly uh, with with UNICEF and the and the re the regional and national government on coordination of a of an overall plan of how do we get everyone access to clean water. Uh, so we had to really go it alone at first in terms of trying to develop a comprehensive development plan. Uh, and we focus specifically on one region. You might have heard us talking about that over the last few years. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and our goal is to really show that it could be done and use that as a catalyst for the development sector in that country to think differently about the approach that they take to reaching everybody in a country context like the Central African Republic, that it doesn't have to ju just be a relief mentality or a band-aid fix. Right. You can really take a a holistic long-term approach, even in a context, as long as you're very systematic and methodical in how you do it. You know, our goal is to do it ourselves to prove that it could be done, which now has, has really uh, garnered some attention and support from, from UNICEF. So we did two additional uh, regional assessments. So now we have a much larger zone region that we're going after for full, full, full coverage for that region. Yeah. Uh, it's grown uh, by about 200%. And so the, they funded the, the teams to be able to continue doing that assessment work and really harmonize it. So now any actors who are working in basically the Western part of the, the country will have a cohesive plan to work together with. So that's really been a bright spot for sure. Uh, and then the other, which I think we'll talk about here shortly is, is dabbling a little bit in solar energy. Oh and yeah, let's go. Yeah, tell us about this new solar powered system. It looks really like exciting new technology. Yeah, I mean, so solar technology isn't, too new, uh, but the price has come down dramatically over the last decade. It's become more and more affordable and actually like a, a better option for the type of work that we're doing. We wanna see everybody get access to clean water and nobody getting left behind. Uh, how many people are there? So we did an assessment. We, we basically did a census of over 400,000 people in this, in this entire region, right? And we realized, you know, it's going to be a lot more effective and economical for areas where there's a high enough concentration of population. So a population density of roughly 1,500 to 2,000 people all the way up to 10,000 people in these, some of these larger communities um, to, uh, to instead of drilling 
you know, let's say 10 boreholes to serve those communities with hand pumps or foot pumps or whatever, mm -hmm. uh, to drill one borehole and, and put, a, put a tank. And, and the borehole has to have a high enough yield of water. Enough water has to be coming out, right? Uh, so sometimes you just don't get enough water that a, a solar-powered electrical pump would make sense. But many times you do. And how can you extract more water out? Because you can only extract so much out using a foot-operated pump. Hmm. And, and you're usually maybe using a fifth of the water that's getting produced. If you can extract more of that water and put it into you know, a large reservoir, and, and then we're able to you know, pipe from that reservoir to different neighborhoods and districts within that community. Much better in terms of service for the end, end consumer, which is really our, our target customers. Like how do we create a better customer experience for the people collecting water? They don't have to sit there manually pump. If the kids, you know, if the kids are in school, the older women in the community, they don't want to go sit there and like step on this pedal over and over to get water. Uh, they're just able to go pay a tap operator collect your water. Wow. Uh, it's also much better in terms of you can you can treat that water. So yeah. Yeah. water coming out of these manually operated pumps is, is clean and safe to drink, right? Uh, but only at the point of receiving it, not necessarily at the point of consumption. Sometimes there's opportunity for uh, bacteria to get introduced between transporting it home or maybe storing it for a day. Whereas in these larger systems, we're, we're able to chlorinate and treat that water, which keeps it safe to the point of consumption uh, with a much higher likelihood as well. Wow, that's awesome. I know the startup costs are a little higher per project. And I know that's where we're going to be directing uh, our Rainmakers funds this year to be a part of, of one of those new solar tank systems. And we're stoked to do that. Um, but if the, even though the startup cost is higher, the yield and the coverage is so exponentially more um, right. It's got to be really exciting for you guys to see these going up. Yeah, for sure. So we did uh, two of them between 2018 and 2019, and then another two in 2019 and 2020. And actually, the, the construction piece is less of the complication part. The more complicated part is, is working with all of the local stakeholders involved from you know, national government. This is the new thing coming into the country, right? It's mm -hmm. a, much more eye-catching thing to see a 25-foot tower uh, than to see, you know, the basic status quo hand pump in the little rural community. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so working with all the regional leaders, the town mayors, uh, the property owners, because, you know, for one of these projects that we just finished, we there was hand-dug two and a half kilometers of, of trenching to lay pipe to different communities. Uh, so there's a, a lot of people involved that you have to you know, really coordinate with in order for it to be successful because we don't want to just come in and, you know, put our head down and, and just do our thing. Uh, right. We want to make sure everyone is well communicated to and coordinated with. So you guys are serving nearly 900,000 people, the goal being full country coverage to the almost 5 million people uh, by the year 2030. What is your strategy to get that done? You know, which is just so encouraging and inspiring to us to see that you guys are going to be able to cure water poverty in the second poorest country in our lifetime. What's what's the strategy overall? The only way we're going to be able to scale up, you know, we're comparatively to like the World Visions of the World or the UNICEFs, uh, we're a very very small organization, right? Mm -hmm. And however, we're a very focused and targeted organization. Yes, absolutely. Uh, <laughs> for one region, and so we're trying to. We're trying to be really a catalyst for development and investment into that country. Mm. 
I think as we start to really see, you know, fast high impact happening in that region, then you start to get the attention of others like the World Bank, the African Development Bank, others who can put the resources in needed to really scale up the country uh, to hit those goals of 2030. So we don't anticipate to be doing all the work and it's definitely not a situation <laughs> like, well, you're at like 800,000 of uh, 5 million, so just do five times or six times what you did already. Yeah. Uh, so we're trying to play our part and we're trying to play it you know, to the best that we can, but we're also trying to communicate it to draw attention to the Central African Republic and really get, uh, you know, really get other others involved in supporting this country because it really is uh, typically a, a forgotten country. A lot of people don't even know it is. A right. Oh yeah, totally. Well, God bless you guys. We are with you and for you, and we're excited to share with you what our campaign total is and to continue invest uh, resources and raise awareness for uh, your cause and the mission. Uh, we're grateful for your work, and we can't wait to see what God's going to do. Awesome. Thank you so much to each of you. And hopefully um, we'll be able to see see some of you in person next year or in the coming years. For yes, sure. hopefully. Thanks. Bless you. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks to John, Jim, Jay, and actually anyone else who has the name that starts with Jay at Water for Good, uh, as they continue to make strides in that mission to heal an entire country and eliminate water poverty. Last week, Jesse shared with us the incredible work you've made possible in providing care for orphans around the world in places like Ethiopia and Colombia. Because orphan care and clean water have been at the heart of our Global Rainmakers initiatives each year, we have also continued to partner with Charity Water in serving communities in need in Ethiopia. Let's check in with our friends Brady and Carly at Charity Water. Well, hey everybody, I'm here with Carly and Brady from Charity Water, with whom we've had the privilege of uh, participating in several projects over the years. And um, we're going to get an update today on what's going on. Thank you guys for being willing to meet like this. I'm sorry it's not in person, but maybe someday in the future or soon we can. Uh, so Carly, let me just start with you. Um, what has this year been like uh, specifically for your work in Ethiopia? Uh, in light of this pandemic and in light of the current civil unrest there. I know we've got some sponsorships going there and um, love to just hear what's how this year has affected you guys. Uh, well, as you can imagine, COVID has had a significant impact on our work. Um, in March, we closed our office, we went full remote and we slashed all of our goals in half. You know, we didn't know how, um, how COVID would impact our supporters, our community here at home and we didn't know how it would impact the countries that we serve. Uh, and so we were very conservative right from the bat. And I am so grateful to say that our community really stepped up. Uh, people were giving early, people were just showing their gratitude and showing their love. And so we've actually been able to raise our goal in terms of people served. And as for our local partners in the field, um, while many of them were put on pause as countries went into lockdowns um, over the summer, many of our partners were able to obtain essential worker status and continue on with the implementation of water projects. And we actually saw, especially in Ethiopia, many of our partners turn into frontline workers. Mm -hmm. They were teaching social distancing, they are constructing hand-washing stations at water points, um, distributing PPE. So it's been really encouraging to see people transform and step into that role and really protect their communities. Mm. Now in Tigray, uh, where our partner, the Relief Society of Tigray is located, as you mentioned, over the past few weeks, there's been an escalating conflict. Um, 
and the central government has actually shut down internet and communication. So it's been very hard to get in touch with the team there um, and to know exactly what's happening. We've been able to sporadically be in communication with them. Um, the last time we talked to them, they are safe, uh, but quite unfortunately, you know, they've had to pause their work. They've had to pause implementation mm -hmm. of projects and um, it's a really heart-wrenching situation. So, you know, it's top of mind for our team. And I would just ask that everyone at Rain City pray for families into gray and pray for the communities that you have served um, because we, we don't know what is going to happen. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, thank you for keeping us updated on that, man. We've been watching the news and just wondering how that's all going down. Such working in the developing world, as you know, is, is a challenge in so many ways. And it's why it takes sustained commitment. You know, and that's why this is our favorite time of year because we get to once again, um, step up and try to help. So have, what have been some uh, some of the bright spots this year? You know, we haven't met as a church community in person since March and wow. every week we're trying to find bright spots. So Brady, maybe you can share uh, with us now, what have been some of the, the positive stories or ways that you've seen God provide in miraculous ways? You know, for us, um, specifically speaking to, to Ethiopia, it's one of our longest partnerships. You, you and Rain City Church have invested um, specifically in a in the region of Tigray uh, for many years. I think for the past five years, mm -hmm. um, and as an organization, Charity Water has invested over 101 million dollars into into Ethiopia. Um, our flagship program, as you know, um, funded over 10,000 clean water projects that have served to date three million uh, fifty-seven thousand and fifty people. So to me, that's a bright spot. Um, <laughs> yeah. You know, like the five years, you guys have been a huge part of that impact, donating nearly $150,000. Um, I think about the project you most recently completed uh, in Ethiopia this, this past um, October, I believe. It changed over a thousand lives. That one project uh, impacted over a thousand people. Um, and then, you know, I, I sent a, a, a photo earlier this year of a repair that our Wahas My team had made of a project that you'd sponsored in, in 2015. So that's another 300 people that, you know, have access to clean and safe drinking water into perpetuity. You know, those, those two communities out of more than a dozen that you funded um, clean, clean sponsorships for, when we think about, you know, how young girls have the chance to attend school instead of walking for water, we think about kids that have the opportunity to grow up mm. without fear of waterborne disease and illness. Uh, we think about you know, I personally, I I'm, um, had the opportunity to move closer to my family uh, through the pandemic. And, you know, I see my sister and my one-year-old nephew, and I think about mothers and families that get to spend more time together, uh, that are healthier and happier. And at the end of the day, that's what it's about. That's the bright spot for, for me. And I think for the team at Charity Water is the gift that you are giving to people oh, around thanks. the world. Yeah, we're, it's, it's an honor and a privilege for us to be able to. And we know, you know, as, as I've over the last 10 years, tried to become an advocate for the water uh, crisis globally um, and still knowing that one in 10 people in the world don't have access, don't have local access to clean water. And it does change everything for, for women and children, especially um, for people that are maybe just getting into this or just becoming aware of it. Um, how, how will this year's donations from our Rainmakers campaign um, this year help currently in, in that area? Maybe Carly, you can speak to that. Um, like you said, you know, women and children are so deeply affected and the fact that they get hours, hours, billions of hours in sub-Saharan Africa alone back in their lives to care for their families, 
to go to school, to start businesses, it's huge. Uh, but it impacts the entire community. Um, there's an incredible stat from the UN that every dollar invested in clean water returns four to twelve dollars yeah. into the local economy, and it's really that's a pretty good investment. Uh, <laughs> You know, it impacts health. And we've seen that so much this year. You know, we know there are waterborne diseases and clean water is so crucial to fighting those um, and especially impacts the health of children. But with COVID specifically, you know, we see this new disease that is spreading and the first line of defense is hand washing and access to sanitation facilities. And uh, this is something we don't talk about as much at Charity Water, but with every clean water point, we also do sanitation and hygiene training. Mm -hmm. We teach communities how to use their water point, how to clean their hands, how to clean their food. Uh, and so it's huge. And in the countries where we work, you know, especially these rural parts of Ethiopia, their healthcare infrastructure is not in place to fight a pandemic. You know, there aren't ICUs or ventilators. Um, we really need to stop it before it spreads and the first line of defense is clean water. Mm -hmm. So we are so grateful to your church family um, because the water you've provided over the years is saving lives in communities. Yeah, I mean, the reality of the situation is like Carly mentioned at the forefront, we have cut um, a significant portion of our water funding programs in, in anticipation that we simply wouldn't be able to raise as much. But the beauty of, of again, that generosity that we've seen this year is we're, we're actually making uh, making that gap to goal back up. Mm. Um, between now and the end of the year, we're, we're actually looking to fund about a $2.7 million gap um, in water project sponsorships specifically. Mm. Um, and we are uh, still funding which again, is, is a gift in, in many ways. Um, what's happening in Tigray is, is a really isolated front, um, but we do still have two incredible partnerships, um, one with a company called Orda and the second, uh, the International Rescue Committee um, operating in the, uh, the Eastern Amhara region and the Southern Peoples, Nations and, and Nationalities region, um, which are both still um, currently operating uh, to, yeah. to full effect. So there, there are opportunities to continue changing lives in Ethiopia. Um, we also have about eight different countries um, as well alongside Ethiopia that we're, we're looking to fund sponsorships in as well. And at the end of the day, you know, any gift is going to change and transform hundreds of lives. Um, so we, we would be honored to partner with you again in any way, shape and form. Um, and, and are just really looking forward to working alongside your community once more. Uh, we, are, we are just grateful for you guys and the work that we do. We're praying for you, for all of the work that you're doing all over the world. And uh, we can't wait to celebrate uh, this year's total uh, together with you and hear more. Thank you so much. Everyone at Rain City, thank you. Thank you, thank you. We love you guys. <laughs> you, are, you are truly one of our, our favorites and uh, we are so looking forward to all the good that is to come. Thank you, Brady and Carly, for that update. We're excited to continue to support the incredible work you're doing in Ethiopia. Now, in Wendy's and my personal journeys around raising awareness and helping to develop resources to fight global water poverty, we've leaned on these simple definitions when it comes to prayerfully considering our next steps each year. Think about where you are on your journey. For us, it starts with sympathy. And that's as simple as saying, I'm sorry you hurt, which then moves us to empathy. And empathy is as simple as saying, I hurt with you which in turn moves us to compassion. Compassion is as simple as saying, I'll do anything I can to stop your hurt. 
I invite you to prayerfully consider today how you might find the compassion in your own heart to participate in this year's Rainmakers initiatives. Since 2014, together Rain City, we have made a direct difference in the lives of literally thousands of people and helped them get local access to clean water. And I've seen it firsthand. It truly changes everything. So you can join us and be a part of making that happen today. Join this history-making movement of generosity, eliminating and evaporating the world's water crisis as part of your pursuit in experiencing God in the everyday. There are five easy ways to give at raincitychurch.com give. Just select Rainmakers Fund when you make your gift. We are eternally grateful for your generosity and can't wait to celebrate all that God will do as he multiplies what we bring. Thanks, Rain City. Have a great week and a Merry Christmas season. Thanks for listening to the Rain City Church Podcast. We love that our community exists for so many, not just in the greater Seattle area, but around the world. Please push subscribe and feel free to share our content. And for any more questions or to get more involved, check out our website at raincitychurch.com. We hope to see you to Sunday soon.